Welcome to The Living Room, a cozy place of candid conversation. We're a group of women in various ages and stages of life. Join us for thoughtful discussion with a side of humor. We chat about everything from parenting issues to life balance, what matters most, and how to make it happen in everyday life. Settle in just to listen or feel free to add your comments online at www.fromthelivingroom.com. And now, your hosts for today's show. Hello, friends, and welcome to The Living Room. I am your host for today, and this is Michelle, in case you couldn't tell right there. This is Michelle. I'm also joined by... Jana. Jody, Heather. And today, we are talking about a fun conversation, I think. Um, and we've called the show Building Fences and Opening Gates in the ways that we open our hearts, but also set boundaries with neighbors. We all have that neighbor that we think to ourselves, I would not be sad if they moved. Let's just be honest. And I'm sure that to some people, they think to us, or at least to me, I would not be sad if they moved. <laughs> but I had a conversation the other day um, with a friend, and we were talking about neighbors and helping neighbors and a neighbor that I actually had in an old neighborhood. So in case any of my friends are listening right now, thinking that I'm talking about you or my current neighborhood, rest assured. Yeah, right. It is a neighborhood <laughs> far, right. far away. Um, but then I was reminded of a quote that I heard about 10 years ago that says, you get to choose your friends, but God chooses your neighbors. And whenever mm. I think about that, I think about the opportunities that we have to either befriend, be kind, or to help people find God in their lives that we have the opportunities just within a four house radius almost. And especially even in my neighborhood, there are plenty of people that I don't even know or that I have never met. And that is just ridiculous, <laughs> even within my own block. So, but I think that it gets, sometimes it gets harder and harder to be neighbors purely because we're busy and they're busy and we hardly see each other. And it's different than the olden 50s days where women sat around and played bridge during the day while kids were at school and um, just had fun. So also I think there are varying walks of life and different age groups and different religious beliefs. So today we're going to talk about how we can open our hearts and our homes while maintaining boundaries at the same time, because this is not about um, moving past the places where you feel comfortable, but it's about establishing some opportunities for you to be friendly, to get to know your neighbors more, and to figure out how we can help find ways to serve our neighbors as well. So I'd just like to start the conversation by asking a really simple and easy question. You don't have to nap out any crazy neighbors just yet. But and what is one way that you can get to know your neighbors better or that you have used over the years to get to know um, the people that live around you? We sometimes, and we have the loveliest people, I have to say, the loveliest people. I don't have any people that I wish would move. But um, we have a cul-de-sac, and it's just this quiet little neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we have a cul-de-sac barbecue. And we just invite everybody in our little cul-de-sac to come over and just hang out in the backyard and chat. And sometimes we do it at different people's houses. We rotate. Not every summer do we pull it off, but it's so fun when we do. And mm -hmm. it's a great way. I mean, you know, how many times are you in and out of the driveway and never have to, mm -hmm. anything more time to say than wave or hello? Mm -hmm. And it's really nice to just sit and chat and tell stories. It's been really fun. I love that idea. And you have a beautiful backyard. So I will okay. come. I'll just grab that neighborhood. <laughs> Come on over. Absolutely. Uh -huh. So my husband and I, we go for a walk every night. Oh, that's a good idea. 
every single night, even if it's snowing, we still find a way. Those are the best ones. They're fun. <laughs> they're a little colder, but they're fun. But it's amazing what happens when we simply just walk outside our door. It's unbelievable. The people we get to run into, you have time to stop and chat, even if it's short, even if you don't want to. We just, you really start to know who lives around you because you're out. So I think one of the greatest things we've done is we actually go outside our house. Heaven forbid, right? We we find ourselves so busy, like Jenna said, it's, it's just this coming and going all the time and we're inside. But for us, you know, that's not why we go on the walk. That's just an added benefit of walking. Mm-hmm. So. We get outside. We we get outside our house. And that happens to us and our family, but on Sundays. Like, it seems like the only afternoon I'm, like, home with my kids. And my kids are getting a little bit stir-crazy, too. So we go out for a walk. We get to see lots of neighbors. But I love the idea that sometimes we have to leave our homes, heaven forbid. I know, right? To meet the people around us. But it can be multitasking at the same time and getting in some exercise or doing something. It doesn't necessarily have to be, oh, I'm going to go out and see what neighbors I can see. But what are the other things that I do or routines that can help me see them? Jody, do you have any thoughts? I am going to center on what I did with kids. I was always enjoying inviting the neighborhood kids over. And it's not for everybody to have, you know, 10, 12 kids, extra kids. But Easter egg hunts were something that I started years and years ago. When I think my youngest was, uh, I think she was only four and there were three or four little kids on the street. And so we just said, Hey, we're going to have a little Easter egg hunt. And so, um, dying eggs, Easter egg with the kids for Valentine's day. It was, you know, come over after school and frost a cookie. And so, um, I just kind of became that neighbor that was like, oh, there's, you know, that's the kid house and Jody will invite your kids over. Um, why were you not in my neighborhood, Jody? My daughter, who's now 11, she's my youngest, and um, she said, Mom, we're, I'm getting older. When when are we going to stop having, you know, the Easter egg coloring party? Because I, I, I think I'm getting a little old. I'm like, no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> not. Not until you're 13. That's when That's when you can stop because that means it's the end for me. But um, they're just times throughout the year, you know, that are just fun to say, hey, whose kids can I invite over? I always had a stop time and a start time. So that it didn't go on forever because it wasn't just like the Kool-Aid house, which we had in summer. You know, kids could just come and stay and play trampoline and Kool-Aid or whatever. Popsicles. But, you know, it was an actual, hey, either send out a little invite or just a text or in the old days, you know, call them up and say, hey, come over, have your kids come over after school for, you know, an hour. And this is what we'll do. So those kinds of things, kids love the activity. So I was kind of the, you know, invite the kids over. Then the parents, I got to know them because they'd come pick their kids up, you know. And that's how we established some relationships. So in each neighborhood I've been in, I've enjoyed all the kids, and I've loved seeing all of them grow up. Yeah, you, you just she, keep being that, that one. Yeah. Yeah. I know, yeah. I know. You can do that person. Yeah. And you know what? I think it's so funny because that whole thing just made me feel a little bit anxious. Like the well, idea and, of like having said, a million kids at my house, yeah. dying <laughs> Easter eggs. Easter I don't even love Oh, no, we do it. Kids. Yeah, we do it. In the kitchen, I put out the cost. It got much better for me when you said there was an end time. Yes, I know. Okay. okay, end time. We're yeah, good. Time. I can jump on board with that. But until you said that, I was like, "Yeah, I'm out." That's all yeah, yours. Right. Yeah. But uh, this is part of the conversation, though. We don't all have to be do it Jody's way. No. We no. can all do it our way. And if you all do it, I can't do it my way because yes. everybody's kids would always be at your house. So I assure okay. you, we're not all going to do <laughs> it. Don't worry. You can be that person. I, that. I am happy to have a million kids in my backyard. 
Like, and that's my thing with my kids are like, Hey, I want friends to come over. I'm like, great, go play in the backyard. We put a track (laughs) in our backyard. The kids can ride bikes. They can scooter. We did a cement all the way around our backyard. So kids can ride bikes in the safety of the backyard. I don't have to be right there. I can be right in the kitchen doing dishes or doing what dinner or whatever. I can still kind of see we have a trampoline. Some parents hate that. I make them sign a waiver or at least in their heads, they sign the waiver. (laughs) And so, but we boundary. Yeah. We can all do it different ways. And then we also lock the gate when we're not home mm-hmm. so that because we've had kids go in our backyard and jump on the trampoline and that's just not something I want to be liable for if I'm not home right. so there you go but we just do our things and whatever our things are that's great okay so you know, okay. yes go I ahead, say something when Jody said you send out a text it reminded me and I don't know how many of you are parents of teenagers but how many times have you dropped off your kid at someone's house and then you go to pick them up and you text them and say okay I'm here and the kid runs out and you never meet the parents right. it's true and you don't think it's going to happen but it happens and then you go We've been friends. Your our kids have been friends for six months. No, We've never right. met no, you. It's because it's uh, twelve o'clock at night and you're already in your pajamas. <laughs> and and that, that is true. I've done do that many times. Yeah, I got. I, I'm already yeah. ready for bed, and I yeah. have to come pick up my kids. So. Then you're grateful for text. But I do know that there are times when I've actually made the effort to get out of the car because I wanted to meet this mother, point. or me too. you know, I yeah. wanted them to see me and say, "This is who I am, and this is who had your kid today, or whatever." Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So I think that's super important, and I think the same is true in terms of modern conveniences of air conditioning. Mm-hmm. That's why we stay in our houses, mm-hmm. right? Every, before they were all sitting on the front porch fanning. Oh, I love <laughs> sitting on the porch. I I but we don't do that anymore. Right. Well, and see, I think that these are good conversations. And while I think that this conversation seems um, like well, there's not a lot to, to talk about, to me, there's so much to say, okay, how do you decide for yourself? What are your own boundaries and what can you do? But then also, how can you say, hey, you know what? I probably could be a little bit more friendly and push myself a little bit um, without pushing it yourself past the point that makes you feel anxious or uncomfortable. But also reminding that some of the reasons why we don't have the greatest relationships with our neighbors are because of some of those modern conveniences and that it's easier to text or Facebook or whatever. And I do the same thing now. My kids are getting older where I'm like, okay, I'm just going to see my kid to your house. Okay. See ya. And which is fine and convenience, but how do we get to know the people around us? So here's the next question to think about. Um, how can we be more friendly despite the differences that might be? And we're not quite to the conversation yet about dealing with difficult situations. Um, but what are some ways that you feel like, oh, there's this neighbor down the street. I've never met them or I probably should go befriend them. Or um, what are some ways that you can think of to actually say, okay, this, I really need to make a strategic conscious choice to go meet this person. I was walking my dog a couple weeks ago and um, a, a woman in her car drove up alongside me, rolled down her window and said, Hey, I lost my dog. You know, would you keep an eye out? I just figured since you're out walking your dog, maybe you'll, you'll see mine. And I said, Oh, I'm Jody. I don't know that we've met before. Or do you live on this street? We have kind of a long, long street that used to be a dead end. And now there's a new subdivision coming in. And so now we have neighbors that continue on down into that subdivision. So she had moved down there and I, I could tell it meant so much to her, this little dog. And so I just simply said, you know what? I am going to pray for you today. I'm going to pray that you, get this little precious dog back. She said, Oh, thank you. And I just did a quick follow up a little bit later when I saw her again. Hey, did you find your dog? Um, that conscientious, you know, awareness that just says that matters to her. And sometimes we're fast and furious and I, I don't get to do that all the time, but in those moments that I can to be aware that when we can notice what matters to them to show that we care, simple things, you know, mm-hmm. 
to be in their life and in their space. And we may not talk regularly and I might not see her regularly, but I will remember her. She'll remember me. And I think that that outwardly offering of, at least in that specific instance, I could pray for her. I could say a prayer that her dog would come back. And the little doggy did, you know, Great. a few hours later. You know, I know for me, action is moved by empathy. Very much so. So when we have someone, we just had a new neighbor move in. Literally, we share a fence just, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe it's been a month now. But whenever I think, what must it feel like? I've, I've been the new neighbor. I've moved in. What, what makes that easier? What, what does that feel like? Or I've had the hurt husband. I've had the, you know, sick kid. I've had the this or that. I've had the, you know, we've been the house where my husband couldn't mow the lawn and our son wasn't old enough. And so to have someone randomly show up and mow, like, so as soon as I start to put myself in a neighbor's position, all of a sudden it becomes very clear what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And so then it's a matter of having enough character to honor what I know should be done. Yes. Which is really what it, it comes down to for me. It's it's not that I don't know what I should do. It's do I really honor the fact that I know it and then follow through with it? Or do I justify that? Uh, but I'm so busy. But I have six kids. But mm-hmm. I have a job. But I have this. But I, Well, okay. But you know, that lady over there, she found a way to come to me. So... Mm-hmm. So for me, that's, that's what does it when the empathy leads to action for me. And when I honor that, and the amazing thing is time is always provided. Energy is always provided when we serve someone else. It's this magnificent thing that has no explanation at all that just, it multiplies it, you know, somehow we do it. And when we do it, we're blessed every time we feel good. Yes. And I love what you said, because I remember when my prayers started to change from, please help me find people that I need to serve to please help me find people that I need to serve and then give me the courage to act upon the prompting. Absolutely. That that Mm -hmm. is the greater Mm -hmm. prayer. And it's, and it's not always convenient, but I have found every time that if I do that and that's when it comes, like I'll see the neighbor that I was thinking about, Hey, I should go say hi to them. They're outside mowing the lawn or weeding or something. And you're like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to this thing. But if you pull over that instant and just say, hello, how are you? Or just wait from your car. It's done. It doesn't take long, but you've made a contact. And then later it makes it a lot easier. And you know, I love to neighbor with cookies. Okay, we don't all have to neighbor that way, but um, I hope that, that could be better. I yeah, I know. seriously, <laughs> my mom told me it's hard to be mad at people when they sh- when there's a gift in their hands. True, and, when and you can eat that gift, or if you can better. eat that gift, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. But I also think that we don't have to wait till we have the plate of cookies to right. go no. either. So no. it's whatever works for you, but also being open to saying, hey, if you recognize that there's an opportunity for you to befriend or improve the the quality of life in someone else is life through service that you open yourself up to being open to whatever that is that they need rather than what you think they need well and don't you think it makes it even worse like more awkward when you have that feeling that you should stop or i have that feeling or that i should reach out or that i should serve or that i should even just wait and i don't Right. right. One, then I have the turmoil inside myself. But two, it just makes it more awkward. The next time I drive past, it's like, I totally should have stopped last time. Yeah. Then I'll, well, do I stop this time? But I didn't stop last time. But I should. We can talk ourselves out of it like that. Yeah. And so then it, for me, I'm even more miserable when I when I have to work through the justification and hang on to it. Then, like you said, if I just would have pulled over, said 18 words and been on my way, it would have been done. Mm-hmm. Right. Just do it we would have made that connection. Yeah. So we had something I just that really. Uh, was fun to do, and it was something I think the anticipation was almost even better than the actually day, actual day that we did it. Uh, one of our neighbors is very quiet, quiet man, and he ended up being honored. He's a retired vet from the Vietnam War. We didn't know this about him. He's two houses down, and another neighbor actually posted on our neighbor site that we have 
that, oh, did you know that so-and-so, you know, served and he's receiving this award after all these years. So our family, we ordered, this was just something that um, I'd always wanted to try, never did, saw it somewhere and kept the thought. We ordered a hundred of those little mini flags. And on Mm -hmm. July 4th, we went early in the morning and we put him in his yard, in his front yard. And now that's something a little grander than just driving by. But again, it's something, it made an impact. And so anyways, he came to my, he came to my door and this was actually when I was going through, um, just determining whether I was going to have surgery or radiation for, um, a possible lung cancer scare. And he showed up at my door with a handwritten note. And he said, I just, I just want to say thank you. He said, I drove off fishing that morning and my wife called me. You're not going to believe this. There, somebody put little flags in your, in your yard. And he had to do some sleuthing to figure out who it was, but he came back with that note. And also then four or five days later, all those flags packaged up and he said, I'm giving them back to you so that you can do the same thing again for someone else. But he had not, he'd not been honored. And, um, so sometimes things are a little bigger, a little mm-hmm. more planning, but that has that has got us over the hump. We've lived by each other for many, many years, and we were just a little bit more quiet to each other. They reached out to me when I had surgery, and I didn't know that his wife went through a breast cancer um, recovery and so forth. So it bonded us, you know, just by saying, hey, you know what? I want to honor this man. I love our country, and so we can reach out and do that. But day-to-day, it's simple, but then sometimes... It's fun to go bigger. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. I love that idea. Okay, so let's dive into this conversation, ladies. What can you do when you have a d- difficult situation with a neighbor that needs to be resolved? And I will start because I think um, we had... Because you've had this happen. I've had this Numerous happen. times. Not numerous times. But we had um, a neighbor next door to us in our last neighborhood that had late night parties all the mm-hmm. time. And it was back when I had tiny babies or um, a one-year-old and a three-year-old that would wake up all the time in the middle of the night, or they would parties would go until midnight with loud blaring music or whatever. We had different neighbors who moved in and out of that house over time. Um, But we made it a specific point to get to know them personally before we had a freak out. And then as the parties would come, um, we would call them in the middle of the night, if it was like saying, hey, it's getting kind of late. It's past the noise ordinance. Our kids are right outside that window. Like we lived in a small little cookie cutter house where literally there was 10 feet between our window and our fence and the neighbors and their hot tub and their loud and parties. And we just said, Hey, you guys are fine. Keep your party. But if there's any way you could keep it down, we'd really appreciate it. And then the next day we went over and took cookies and said, thank you so much for turning your music down. We really appreciate it. So we tried to keep the the conversation going Mm -hmm. and to try to say, thank you for changing your plans or whatever. And that, and sometimes we let it go and sometimes we didn't, but they started to text us when they were going to have a party. And I thought that was really really respectful of them to say, Hey, listen, we have friends coming over. We know we'll stop music at 11 PM, but just want to let you know it's Friday night or whatever. We're going to have a party, which I thought was great. Um, it's interesting because a couple of months later, um, the cops got called on them for fireworks past the date. So in Utah, you can do it for three days before, three days after the holiday. And they were doing fireworks past the holiday date. And she texted me and was really mad and said, how come you called the cops on us? And and we said, we have always called you first. That was not us. And it was just 
um, something that she said, oh, you're right. I'm so sorry. And she was, she, and, but I just felt like because of the way we figured out how to communicate with each other, that was direct, but also personal, but we had a relationship that when there was an issue, it wasn't that big of a deal because we had established a pattern of respect, which is something that I think is really important. And that doesn't mean sometimes we let the parties go and it wasn't a big deal, but when it was, we felt like we had opened up a line of communication that worked. And so I think that it doesn't, we don't, just like similarly in previous shows, we've talked about not being a doormat. I don't think that we always have to endure painful situations, but how can we talk about them with our neighbors that makes them feel respected, but then also um, helps meet our needs or sets boundaries. Any other thoughts? I think going directly to them is huge. Yes. I think talking behind their back is abominable. I think, you know, going to the cops without speaking to them first is also really passive aggressive and mm-hmm. and nasty. And I think the way you handled that is great. I like that you said we kept the conversation going. It yes. wasn't just once, but you came back and touched on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's harder when you don't get a positive response. We've had that happen. Sure. Where then... Honestly, I feel so anxious and I'm like, oh, okay, you know, and I don't, I I would love some advice on those kinds of things where you don't get the positive response. So if that comes up in our conversation, great, but I'm going to remember, keep the conversation going. You gave me a good tip. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that part of, you know, we have in the scriptures that talks about um, reproving at times with sharpness and afterwards showing an increase of love, Mm -hmm. but I think it has to be sandwiched sometimes. Mm -hmm. So the love starts first and then if there's something that needs to be corrected, then you can love again. And that sandwiching comes in. It's really important. So remembering them at holidays and knowing their kids' birthdays and they weren't people that worshiped with us. But, um, so we didn't see them as often as we would see some of our other neighbors. So it took a lot of effort to do that. But in the end, um, you know, we left that house, that house is still a rental, but they, the neighbors were the people that were renters in our house were gone and out of town, but the, um, pipe burst on one of our sprinklers and it was in the middle of the night at two o'clock in the morning. And she texted us and said, Hey, just FYI. I don't know if you want to come take care of this. And it wasn't bothering her, but she noticed it. And it saved us a lot of issue that we could handle in the middle of the night rather than the flooding that it going all night long and nobody knowing about it, nobody caring. So I think that we can help each other out even in, in in difficult situations too. Other thoughts, um, dealing with neighbors that maybe don't, I remember having a college neighbor. We lived in a townhome community and it was one of those highly restrictive parking places where you couldn't park on the street, but from time to time, somebody would park on the street just to drop something off or stay for a little while or whatever. And that made our neighbor across the street so mad that she would come over and pound on our door and say, I can't believe you would do this, but she would let her dog poop on our lawn all the time. And I would say, Hey, can you please not? So I know that there are sometimes conflicts that we bring on and that, you know, I didn't necessarily handle that situation very well either. So how can we deal with difficult neighbors or people who aren't as patient or open in those circumstances? I know I've had to give myself some time to kind of recover. Um, and I, I think that that's okay. I, I think when we talk about boundaries in the, in the very beginning, when I had something hard happen, um, I, I thought, okay, I'm going to be brave and I'm going to bounce right back and I'm going to, you know, have the conversation and try to, you know, try to get back to where we can have conversation and interact without me having anxiety. <laughs> and when it did, it, it, it wasn't going to work and it just needed some space. And sometimes I think space is okay. Um, sure. then mm-hmm. after a period of time, it's almost like I felt like, okay, I'm a little braver now and I can come back around, but I needed to, in my particular situation, I needed to be okay taking that 
step back in that space. Not being rude, not being gossipy or anything, but just saying that what happened, it, it hurt me. I guess that's the truth is I got hurt and therefore I had to pull back and then kind of go forward and start the conversation again. And, you know, so sometimes things in neighborhoods, they can be, they can be tricky. I I know somebody not in my circle of friends, but somebody in another circle, they moved because of what was going on in their neighborhood. And that's so sad to me. We have some land that's being developed in our neighborhood and it has caused some uh, difficult feelings here and there. And as my husband and I have tried to navigate it, we've just known we've wanted to be sensitive to the people who own it, who are going through a difficult time. They're needing to sell this land, and uh, there's certain zoning issues on it. But I've, I, it's really, really tough when I see everybody choosing a side. And overall, you know, to choose a side in the end, we're all just people. And so I think, I think our neighborhood has done a really, really good job, but you can learn from those situations, but sometimes it's okay to just step back and have a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. We had something divisive like that in our neighborhood a bit ago. We had an HOA and there were two sides to a battle and thank heaven the HOA wasn't in our cul-de-sac and we didn't have to be a part of it. But I made a point of making sure, like you said, not taking sides, that I was friends with people on both sides and let them know that that wasn't an issue for us and that that we cared about both of them. And uh, I think that made a big difference. Sometimes giving that support is being a good neighbor, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't like feeling as if we're the oddball out. Nobody does. And so reaching out to that one person that seems to be on the outskirts, that's important. I mean, just the basic rules of being a good Christian, um, imp- you know, important, but also also challenging in our busy lives. But going back to what kind of a person do we want to be? What kind of a neighbor do we want to be? Mm-hmm. What kind of, what do we want people to say? We're that kind of a neighbor. I was lucky in our last neighborhood. I lived in, our back fences were connected. When we built a fence, we built a gate so we could go back and forth mm-hmm. and borrow sugar and butter from each other. She's my, one of my best, best friends. And when I moved from that house, we literally just hugged and, and tears because the last six years in that house were spent, especially on Sundays, going back and forth. Do you have butter? Do you have sugar? Right. But our little girls are the same age. But sometimes the fences, you build a gate, you can make a really good friend. Mm-hmm. I, oh, I was just going to say, I think we've mentioned a couple of times, but boundaries are just so, so important. You know, we talk about, and you, t- I mean, we, in graduate school, I remember same thing, like the neighbors who threw the parties who, you know, that type of thing. But those aren't my issues with neighbors now. My issues with neighbors now are things like uh, when their trash can is full, all of a sudden they dump all their stuff in ours. And I walk out and it's overflowing and I'm like, that's not my trash. Keep it in your own, find your own trash can. If it doesn't fit, <laughs> then save it till next week. Or, you know, the family that never, ever, ever has any rain on their kids. So they're constantly knocking on our door and constantly trying to get in our backyard. And, you know, those are more my issues with neighbors now. And I found that really, besides just being empathetic to the fact that they're doing the best that they can, I have to set up boundaries. There, there has to be boundaries in our home. And if you choose not to respect those boundaries, well, then there's consequences to that. And so by, by exhibiting love and setting up those boundaries, we make it very clear to that family that their kids can't come and go from our house anytime they want. That we do not have an open door policy for your six kids. Go Right. And so those are issues. But as long as the boundaries are set and I stick to them and our children know what they are. And, you know, my husband and I are on the same page. 
everyone seems to then understand, right? We all come together with that. So those help. Speaking of boundaries, sometimes I feel like we're that neighbor that everyone wishes would move because we have two dogs. But one thing that we try and do is be aware that we have two dogs and we have set our own boundary and we have an electronic fence so that our dogs don't leave our yard ever. And that makes it really nice. I know they bark and we try and bring them in and whatever, right? They're dogs. But I know that they're not pooping on the neighbor's lawn because we have this boundary. And I think it's important for us to remember to set boundaries for ourselves and our kids as well so that we don't become that Mm -hmm. irritant neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. And I said to my kids the same thing that it's the, and when I was a kid, you would knock on people's doors and say, can you play? Right. And now we have to set up play dates and timed things with parents that's different than we used to do. Um, but at the same time, I think that one of the things that I have learned in being a neighbor and having a neighbor is that I've had so many experiences, like Heather said, where something happened or I just stopped to say hello to someone and, or someone stopped to say hello to me. And I realized how much I need people around me who see me and see what's going on and how important that is. Mm-hmm. And I've also learned that we can find greater connections by asking good questions. And it usually only, only takes one or two questions to find some common ground. Where did you grow up? What do you like to do for fun? And really getting to know people helps keep those lines of communication open and let some of those conversations that happen later work a lot better because we know who they are and they know who we are. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for being some of our neighbors that we don't see you every day as we drive up and down the street. We're grateful for the time that you give us in your ears um, every single week. And so you're welcome to find shows like this and others at fromthelivingroom.com. We're also available on iTunes. If you listen on iTunes, we'd love for you to leave your honest review and feedback there. We listen, watch each one of those. And if you have any show ideas, you can leave them for us through our email, but that is a contact form on our website at fromthelivingroom.com. Thank you so much. And we wish you all the best. We hope that you'll give yourself and your neighbors some living room. Thanks for coming to The Living Room. We hope you've enjoyed listening, laughing, and learning something new. Join us for our next show. And in the meantime, give yourself and those you love some living room.